Hello, hello, and welcome to FSU Conversation, where we highlight FSU's School of Communication, its students, alumni, and happening in the industry. I'm your host, Mary Sylvia Hennett, and I'm a graduate student majoring in Media Communication Studies and a Director's Ambassador for the School of Communication. On this episode of FSU Conversation, we are talking about branding yourself as a student athlete featuring Trey Cunningham and Colleen Quigley. Uh, this episode is pre-recorded just because Trey is currently at Worlds Competing, which is so awesome, and Colleen is traveling to LA to cheer on one of her fellow friends while they race. So I really appreciate them taking the time to talk to me, and I'm so excited for you guys to really hear how they take a deep dive into how, uh, as a student athlete, they manage their communication, how they manage their brand and their relationship with brands, whether that being on Instagram or just off the field or on the field. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear this and let's jump into it. So thank you both for joining me. It's such a pleasure having you both. Um, so to get started off, um, what are you up to and where are you both currently? Trey's life is way more interesting than mine, so you should start. <laughs> okay, so I'm currently in Eugene, Oregon. I'm here for the World Athletic Championships for track and field. Uh, they start off in the next few days. So that is what I'm doing currently. Which is, I was thinking about this before this call and um, our stories are so similar because I graduated in 2015, so I'm old, but I won NCs that year. And then two weeks later qualified for world champs in Beijing. Um, and I was on my first Team USA senior team that summer. And I was like, oh, that's just what Trey just did. Like, that's so cool. So uh, it seems so like awesome. a lifetime ago. But now I also competed at USA's this year, a couple weeks ago. But I actually got a stress fracture in my foot during my race. And so I will not be competing at World Championships. I am uh, on crutches and a knee scooter for a couple of weeks. Uh, while my foot heals and so I'm doing that up here at my house at high altitude in Flagstaff Arizona nice well I'm so sorry about the fracture that's not fun but all good yeah I'm sure the weather in both places are a lot better than here it has been 103 and raining every day so oh Tallahassee is not somewhere I want to be <laughs> in the summer I love their goals but not in the summer it is yeah summers nasty. are brutal they're so brutal but um so you guys have both really achieved a lot um, on and off the track, what makes it challenging to be a track athlete and have your own brand? Okay, so I really think time management is like a really big thing, especially if you're in college. And then now with the new NIL stuff, I still feel like it's the wild, wild west um, of what we can and can't do. Um, I can probably talk more about that. And then Colleen can probably talk more about the professional side of stuff because she's had more experience with that than I have because I'm just now getting my foot into that door. So um yeah I would just say time management is like the biggest thing do you guys see yourselves like having like really busy schedules too with it when it comes to the time management or is it more or less like day by day it changes for me mine's more day to day at the moment because I'm in season so it'll be like immediate obligation like after a race or like for instance I have to run a camp basically Monday after I get done competing whether I win or not so <laughs> it's just kind of stuff like that and then making sure that I, I write this stuff down on my calendar and stuff, just make sure I'm actually doing it. 
I think this might be a personality flaw of mine, but I never am not busy. Like even when I <laughs> broke my foot, I was like immediately got pulled into like two different projects that I was like, okay, I, I have time for this now. Um, one of them is more like on my computer. And then one of them is like a home renovation project that I'm doing. I, I don't like being bored. I don't like not having anything to do. And so in college, that meant like I was a part of a couple, like an honor society and a couple of different like clubs and part of the team. And I was trying to graduate with honors and, you know, three sport athlete, indoor track, outdoor track and cross country. I was never out of season. And so, yeah, I was had like a million things going on, but I think I just thrive in that environment where I making lists and prioritizing all my responsibilities and then going through and, you know, knocking things off and figuring out how to tackle everything. I think when I don't have anything to do is a, I just like, am lost like I get very like unhappy if I don't have things to do but I realize that's not not everyone but I think almost every college athlete uh, has a lot going on and so kind of like Trey said time management but I think prioritizing what's important to you at any particular time which changes throughout the year sometimes if you're in off season you know maybe you're prioritizing school or like brand building working on like a website or creating content and then at the end of your season, you have ACCs going on or nationals and you kind of just like narrow in on, okay, right now, all I'm doing is focusing on performance and making sure that I'm giving all my energy to training and recovery so I can perform at my best when it counts at the end of the season. So those priorities might change throughout the year and you don't necessarily spend the same amount of energy on all your different things on your list throughout the year that those might change. And so I think just kind of like writing those things down and making sure that you're spending the appropriate amount of time on what matters at that time of the year. Yeah. With you saying that, because I know you're saying like you guys are constantly busy. It kind of has me thinking just out of my own curiosity. So being a student athlete with this episode, just being about branding yourself as an athlete, do you you find yourself more or less thinking about how you were like as a person brand wise now or more um, being out of school and being a professional athlete? I mean, I always go back and forth with this question. Like, so everyone loves to throw around the word brand. Um, yeah. Like, what is that? So it's constantly changing, I think, because we're constantly evolving as humans. Like my interests five years ago were not the same as the, what they are now. So I think that's always my biggest question. Like, how do I stay conscious of like, how do I want to present myself to an audience and especially an audience that is just hyper-focused on my performance, what I'm wearing, was my hair off? Did my barber do me right? Like they, (laughs) (laughs) um, so it's just like the little stuff like that. Like, do I want to share this information? Do I want to keep this private? And really how much I want the world to see into my life. So that was the biggest thing for me and still is because like I'm kind of getting a do-over with my branding because now I'm getting to do my professional athlete part. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, it is so interesting that um, collegiate athletes have this opportunity now to actually see themselves as a brand. Like I said, I'm old, I graduated in 2015, <laughs> but I, I never thought of myself that way. And I actually, so I joined a pro group when I graduated and no one else in my training group, they were all professional runners and no one thought of themselves as a brand. No one was building up their social media accounts. No one had a website. 
they just were like running, play video games, run, play video games. Like we'll just get the medals and then the sponsors will just be knocking at our door. You know, like it'll be so yeah, great. Yeah. And newsflash, that is not how it works. <laughs> Um, yeah, you can be a world champion and have no brand sponsors besides like you're running your shoe contract, uh, yeah. because you, all you did is run and play video games and like, no one gives a shit. You like, it's not that interesting. Um, you have to be able to say, yes, I am a brand. And I think actually some of it comes from like confidence of saying, yeah, what I do is interesting enough to talk about. And I have enough value to promote myself. Um, so some of it I think comes from a, like a lack of confidence that what you do is enough and is interesting. Um, and so I always just encourage any track and field athlete who's like, oh, I'm not a football player, like doesn't matter. Like, no, what you do is interesting. Like every day people would be interested to know what you eat and how you do your hair and what products you use and what clothes you like. Like people want to know like what you do is interesting and it's enough just the way it is but you have to be the one to put a little effort in into like presenting that in a fun or funny or just like interesting way. And so I think in that regard, it's, it's definitely the performance is important and you need to make sure that you're not just like an influencer, Um, but the performance on its own, in my experience is not enough. You have to, you have to have both. You have to like have a, a personality and like show your personality and have a brand Um, and have the performance if you want to actually like of course you don't have to do that but if you want to like be like a big whatever mega star and have a bunch of partners and really monetize on this limited amount of time that you get as an athlete because it's not very much time then you you know you just have to figure out how to share your story a little better and like Trey said like you don't have to share everything you can definitely like have a personal life and choose what not to share with the world you have the right to keep things that we want to be private, private. But there's, I think there's a lot of things that athletes don't even think of that it's like, oh, it's not worth sharing. Like, it's like yeah. that little trending sound right now that's like, everything is content. Everything is content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like literally everything that you do, people are going to find like, oh, that's cool or that's interesting. Things that you don't even think twice about as part of your normal day. Um, yeah. But you, yeah, like just have the confidence to be like, I'm enough, I'm interesting. I should tell my story. I think Colleen touched on like a really good thing, like the story part, like you have to figure out the way that you want to tell a story and it's interesting to other people. Like, I think that's really the key, like that confidence that you have to tell the story, mm-hmm. it drives it even further because a lot of our track coverage, like I can use track for example, is like, where are you from? What's your background? What are your PBs? Like, that's such a bland story. And that's what every reporter does. They don't dig deeper to like, how did you end up here? Or what about the injury you had that sets you back months, but you still made it and defied the odds? Or like, what did you do before track? Like Colleen's instance modeling, or like, I come from like a super athletic family that didn't do track. Like they don't dig deeper than that. Mm -hmm. So you have to figure out how to tell the story. And just don't be afraid to share the good stuff and the bad stuff. I used to be so afraid like to talk about if I got injured, which I've had a lot of injuries, I would be afraid to like talk about it because A, I just felt like weak and vulnerable, but B, I didn't want my competitors to know that I was dealing with an injury. I thought that would give them an edge. 
Um, but I eventually just was like, I felt like I was keeping such a big secret and I was like lying to everyone. And so I was just yeah. like, yeah, like I'm injured. Like this is what I'm going through. It freaking sucks. And like the response to that was so refreshing. It was like so many people being like, I, you know, either I've been there or I literally am there right now. Um, and this helps so much to know that, you know, even pros deal with this or, you know, I'm not the only one who's dealing with an injury. So I think you can make just as many connections from sharing the wins and the high points and the celebrations. Like people want to celebrate with you for sure, but they also want to know like that you don't win every time you step on the line, you know, that you have bad days too. And I think those are not as much fun to share because like everyone curates everything to be so perfect and beautiful. But if you can figure out a way to not like be in a super negative way that you're like, oh, my life sucks. But just being like, yo, like going through something, whether it's like an injury or, you know, something in your personal life that maybe isn't so great that you might feel embarrassed about or something. Like I encourage people to share that stuff too, because I think that's what makes us human. And like at the end of the day, what makes you relatable to the human beings who are behind the phones, who are following you. No, I completely agree. Uh, can you at least tell me a little bit about um, the brands that you currently are partnered with, um, if you are partnered with any, and how you kind of made that connection? So for college, I had an NIL deal with BioLite. They would send me, it's uh, basically like a Gatorade almost. So it's like electrolytes, refueling your cells, all the above. They would send me product wherever I wanted it, and I would get commission. So it was kind of like a basic influencer deal. I mean, I found like in the NIL space, there's not a lot of money unless you already have like a pre-established following that's quite large too. It can't just be like 10,000 followers. It's got to be like 100K plus if you actually want to make some serious money in it. And then currently, post-collegiately, I am represented through Adidas. So Ooh. now he's getting paid. What? <laughs> yeah. You're getting big money. <laughs> that's awesome Trey um that's so interesting what you said about like the NIL deals and like not being able to actually get cash I was kind of wondering and and been talking to a couple collegiate athletes who are trying to figure out this whole NIL thing and like what their value is and how much they should be asking for like what kind of deals should they be able to expect I mean it's so new for everyone I don't think anyone really has like super solid answers to that but it does seem like getting a code like a you know this is my code use this for like 15% off or whatever and then obviously the brand is tracking that so they know how many people puts a cookie on your device and then they can figure out you know who bought a product and where they were brought into the um, the company from and then you get a commission based off that it feels like that's the best way for a collegiate athlete to work with a brand on the brand side that's the easiest way for the brand to know if you're doing anything for them, right? Like, especially if you don't have that many followers, you know, okay, like visibility, even if they're not getting click-throughs and someone's just getting introduced to the brand through a large platform, that that's valuable. But if you don't have as much of a following, they need clicks. Like they they need, they need people to like be at least clicking, if not buying. And so that does seem like it's the best way for collegiate athletes to do it. I am luckily at the position now where I can have, like I've set rates for posting and I don't do anything in exchange for product. And I do not do affiliate codes because I 
hate them. Uh, <laughs> I do understand the value of them, but I literally cannot stand. Uh, I do have some codes. Sometimes, sometimes my brands give me a code to use for followers to give them a discount. And I'll just, you know, you can use my code for a discount. Whether or not they use the code, I get paid. And so that's like a very important thing to me now because I hate pushing the codes all the time. I think it's so cheesy to have to constantly be posting your link and doing the code or whatever. Um, it just feels so cheesy and like salesy to me. And now I know I just said that's the best way for collegiate athletes to get brand deals, but it's really, it's just that it's the only way, you know, unless you have a huge following. So, I mean, that's what you have to do. And, and I think you just have to get creative on how to get that code out there in a way that's not cringy. Like I swear to God, if I see someone posting, I don't think this podcast is going to have a video but like if I see someone posting something where they like have a product and they like hold it up to their face and like hold it and have this like cheesy grin on their face like unfollow immediately I will unfollow you immediately <laughs> there is a zero tolerance policy for that kind of behavior so don't do that <laughs> um, but that's usually what you see and then you just post it and then it's like I'll use my code or whatever like that is just lazy marketing you just should never do that. And, and don't work with a brand who has a lot of people who are doing that either. Um, it just means that they're not working with the right people. So it requires you to get a little creative and like put a little extra work into like finding a trending audio and creating a funny video of you using the product in different ways. And then you can put your code or whatever in the caption once you've got people's attention and got them to be like, oh, that was funny. Or like, oh, what is that? they got curious about it, then you can give them the code, but don't just like force the code down, down the yeah. roads. Um, it just doesn't, does not, not, it's not a good look for you. It's not a good look for the brand and your followers do not like it. So yeah, I think for now, if you're in college and trying to do an NIL deal, you'll have to do the codes. And then eventually once you can kind of get to a point where you know what your, you know, your value is, um, really try to move away from that and like move on towards having long-term partnerships. Um, and then if it's really worth it to do like one-off paid cash paid deals. With that being said, when you guys are either like creating deals or partnerships, are you usually like directly talking to that brand or do you have a team that helps negotiate it? Sure, you have uh, an agent, right? Yeah, I do. So I have an agent. He basically handles all the money side of things. Like it can come about in like a few different ways. Like I can have a family friend who knows someone that knows someone and they're like, Hey, get in touch with us. So I make the connection and then I'll pull my agent in or we have a marketing person that does all the outside track stuff. So she would send me any opportunities and I'd be like, yes, I like it or no, I don't like it. We don't have to do it either way. That's usually how it works my ways. Most of the time they work word of mouth usually just like mm -hmm. I would say you getting a job um yeah. they're like hey we've got this really cool idea going how do you think about it or what do you think we could do better and then you get involved in it and then you ultimately are like hey let's get involved like in a bigger fashion than just ideas I used to have an agent when I first went pro I I was so like clueless about everything and especially when like signing my first big deal uh, right out of college, I signed with Nike. And so I just, I had no idea what was going on. And I think it was imperative that I had an agent, but I kind of quickly grew out of that. And I felt like I outgrew my agent in a way that, in the way that he just 
didn't have the same vision for my career that I did, didn't see my potential outside of just working with Nike. Like, I think he was like, cool, we got Nike, like I get 15% of that. And we're just going to be, this is Gucci. Now I just get to chill for the next four years. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) That was just the beginning. Um, So we're just different names of opinion. Um, So we've parted ways. I basically was like, I cannot work with you anymore after about two years of that. Um, and I've just represented myself ever since then with the caveat that like, I want to be an agent one day and I like love doing this stuff. I love doing deals. And I love working with the brands. I have no problem talking about money with a brand, like negotiating a price for myself. And that can be a little bit awkward at first. You might, you know, even if like Trey wants to have his agent talk about the money part. So he doesn't have to like, you know, deal with that part of it and then he gets to come in and like work with the brand more directly on content ideas and you know the actual like you know actual day-to-day of like what this is going to be without having to be like oh you need to pay me this much or whatever which can be a little bit awkward when it's coming directly from you so that can be really beneficial I just get frustrated that you know it feels like all the agent has to do is this one little conversation or whatever and then they get 15% of the whole thing and i'm like wait i'm the one doing all the work i'm the one who's using my platform and i'm the i'm the talent like i don't want to give you 15% so i think that's where i get like i'd rather just like learn how to do it myself and you know if you can get to a point where you can feel comfortable with it um after after you you know been in the game for a little while kind of get your bearings and like feel everything out i really recommend athletes to think about trying to represent themselves or just find an agent that they're like psyched about that really takes care of them and like makes their life so easy that they're like glad to pay them 15%. You know, if you're just like, oh my God, this is, you make my life so flawless. Like you do everything for me. This is great. Then awesome. But if you're like, I feel like I'm doing like a lot of the work here and you know, I'm paying, paying you 15% of the deal. Like you should definitely consider, can I do this myself? Am I willing to book my own flights and my own travel? And, you know, that kind of thing. Is that something that I think I could take on myself? Um, and for me, yeah, it just definitely was. And I've been having, having a blast with it. I work with, uh, now I'm sponsored by Lululemon, which is a new thing um, over the past year and a half. They've been a new sponsor for me. Um, they're the best. Uh, I also work with Whoop, um, Hyper Ice, Vital Proteins, um, beam and TIY products is a hair tie company. So, and I've done all those deals, uh, myself, which has been really fun. That's so awesome. Do you stay busy with just having so many brand deals? Yeah, I definitely, like I said before, I like to be busy. (laughs) I'm on the phone a lot and, uh, do a lot of emails and stuff, but, um, I think it's really fun. And like, even like when a contract, I know a contract's coming up, like I have year long partnerships or in some cases, two year long partnerships with all those brands I just mentioned. Um, and I get excited when the contract's going to come up and I'm like, Ooh, we got to I got to renegotiate my contract in a month. Like, you know, like, I don't know. I, yeah. I like that part of it. It's fun for me, but I see how some people would be like, you know, stressed out by that or like, just not, you know, it's like not for them. But like I said, like, I want to be an agent one day. I see all of these like old white guys who have been track and field agents for forever and like literally don't even know how to post on Instagram. Like they don't know anything about social media or the power of that, or, you know, it just, they don't, in my opinion, like a lot of the track and field agents are extremely outdated and need to be replaced. 
Um, and so for me, I'm like, hell yeah, I want to do that one day. want to, and there's not enough female track and field agents as well. So, um, that would be really fun. I know it's not, not for everybody, but if you're like, yeah, I'd be interested in doing that. I just empower athletes to be like, you can do it. It is totally doable. You absolutely can do it. This is not something that's like impossible by any means. Yeah. So with Trey, you currently having agent and then Colleen, you having one previously, um, just cause I don't really know, do they play a role in kind of saying what you do post or like how you take an angle on like promoting yourself to like the community or on social platforms or is that so more depends, or less you can do it? So it depends on like who your agent is, like how much control they want to have over your brand or like what you do and stuff. So I mean, I've had a few people who've been around the block a few times tell me they work for you. Yeah. So it's do whatever you want to do. They work for you. And if it doesn't work for you, you can go somewhere else. This isn't like the only school in town or the only job offer in town. Like there's other people, there's other brands, there's other options out there. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's your Instagram, it's your face. Um, and you only get it for your life on this earth. So use it the way you want to. Wise, wise words. Yeah. I mean, my agent didn't know what Instagram was, so he would never tell me what to do about it because he didn't know what it was. (laughs) (laughs) But I actually, so I do have a PR company now. That is something that, um, I saw as soon as I fired my agent, I hired a PR company. I was like, it's not that I don't want help. It's just that I need someone who's actually going to help. Um, and so I have to pay them. That's a retainer. It's like a monthly fee that you pay them for doing PR for you. Um, so it actually ends up being, it's pretty expensive, but, um, I think something like that is much more worthwhile because they're out there like drumming up, you know, like buzz and media for me. And it feels much more like you can see what kind of like value you're getting from that. And they do help me if I need help with my social media. Like last summer I had to post saying I'm injured and I'm not going to be able to compete at the Olympic trials. And I had to pull out the last minute before the trials. And I had to message them to tell them and then be like, how the do I tell my followers about this? Um, And they were like, this sucks. Like, I really think you should, I like wrote up a caption and I was going to post a photo and they were like, I really think you should do a video. Like, I know it sucks and you probably don't want to do that right now, but you know, strongly consider creating a video. And I did, it sucked so much (laughs) to like record myself talking about being injured and not running at the trials. I was like crying during it and stuff, but I put, ended up editing it a bit and posting that. And I think that was the right call. Like it really showed how heartbreaking that moment was for me. And like the emotion that went into it was super raw. Like it was literally happening like as I was speaking. And so it was still just, yeah, it was super hard to do, but you know, I think it was the right call. So being able to have people that you can like get advice from bounce ideas off of, um, or even, especially if you're like in a tough spot to be able to be like, what's the right thing to do here? I think there's huge value in that. It doesn't have to be an agent. It could be a PR person. It could be, you know, depending on your relationship with your coach or like teammates, like it, it just needs to be someone who you trust that, yeah. that, you know, you can get advice from when it, when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah. With you saying that you made that post kind of just talking about authenticity and vulnerability, 
Um, I know they say that it's like the key to building long-term personal brand for yourself. How do you communicate your passion and tell your story um, to brands and your following online? But since we're mostly kind of talking about Instagram, I'm kind of more interested in like the online platform more or less, but either or for you guys. I mean, for me, how I get my story out, I like to write. So I have like a column on Mile Split or Runner Space, whoever wants the story that month. Um, and I get to write about whatever I want. My few Runner Space ones have been my like abstracts of like some of my people I've grown up with in track and field, watch them compete. Like that's a different perspective than anyone can ever give. Or just how I approach looking at a hurdle. Like no one's gonna look at a hurdle the way I look at a hurdle. Like no yeah. one's gonna see that these people are taking off too close to the hurdle. Like they're just gonna see them clearing it. Or the fact that they're still hitting it, but it's not knocking it over. So it's slowing them down. Stuff like that is how I get it out. Instagram is kind of more formal for me. Twitter is my favorite. Uh, it's raw, it's chronological, it is just like, whatever you want to say, people will comment back to you, it's not all hearts, and you're doing great, it's, someone's going to come for your neck. Um, <laughs> you're not um, really there. <laughs> and I really think the word of mouth is still the best thing, like actually interacting with fans and people who are at the track meets, or whatever avenue you're taking, like being involved with those people is unlike any other platform you can do oh no Trey I just pulled up your last post from Instagram and Abby Steiner did the like hands emoji Ooh. in the comments so you might need to post on Instagram more <laughs> she's like the queen of the NCAA right now so you can just handle my media huge you. pro deal yeah 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 I won't even take 15%. I'll do it for free. It'd be fun. Um, that's great, though. I love that. New angle. Like, <laughs> Colin takes Trey's PR. <laughs> I love you said you like Twitter more. I wish I was good at Twitter. I'm just not funny like that. Like, I'm not quick and funny like that. But I you wish don't I even was. Have to be. You just have to, like, comment back to people. Like, that's the yeah, thing. As soon as you just start comment back Trey. to people... <laughs> You just have to say, like, what is this? Like, (laughs) it just goes, like, the whole thread. It's awesome. My fiance is really big into Twitter. He's obsessed with Twitter. He doesn't even tweet that much. He's, like, in the tech and, or uh, finance, tech, solar kind of space. Um, And he loves, like, he just, you can get into anything on Twitter, right? Like, any kind of thing that you're interested in. There's, like, a rabbit hole on Twitter about that thing. So he's obsessed with it. I wish I was good at it. Um, I also wish I was better at TikTok because I think TikTok is insanely entertaining, but I'm just not, I'm such a millennial, not a Gen Zer when it comes to that. I feel old on TikTok, so you're not. I feel, yeah, I feel so old old. on there. I'm like, oh, that video is so funny. I have no idea how to create something like that. Like, I'm just like (laughs) so lost. It's kind of a hard (laughs) app. I'm not going to lie because I know also so many people use like, different apps even create their videos and it's like what's the point exactly yeah but Trey the other thing I was thinking about when you said that was you should uh here's your free advice starting now 
um, <laughs> free unsolicited <laughs> advice. You should have your own website. If you love to write, you should have your own website and publish your own pieces on your own website. That way you can own where it lives and you have more control over it. I started doing, I created a website on Squarespace in 2016. Like I made the Olympic team and I went back up to altitude to train for a month. And I created a website on Squarespace during that time. It's so easy. I've maintained it since then. I need to like revamp some of it now actually, but and then a couple years after that, I started a newsletter. So it's called the Steeple Squigs Update. And you can sign up for it for free on my website. And like once or twice a month, I send out a little email bla- like blast about if I've got like a race coming up, I'll just say, you know, say when, where, and if you want to watch, you know, there'll be a link to, work, to it or whatever. Um, or if like, I don't know, like if I'm injured, then I'll blast out about like my best cross training tips um, or like swim workouts to try for like beginner swimmers or like I'll do like a mental health update you know block block in there or whatever um you could totally do definitely a website with like you know anything you want to share like written wise it's a great place for like if you are into writing but then you could also do um oh I just published a new you know, piece and like blast it out to your like, those are your diehard. So I have 240,000 followers on Instagram, but I have 13,000 subscribers to my newsletter. So those are like my diehard fans. Like if I tell them to, you know, buy something or do something or try this, or like, this is the recipe I'm trying. Like they, you know, they're, those are like real, real fans. They get into um, it. <laughs> yeah, totally. So that's one thing that, that a lot of people I think miss and it's good to diversify because what if like Instagram ceases to exist or like you know mm-hmm. Elon Musk buys Twitter and it all changes and it's shitty now like it's like okay I have this or I have like you can easily pivot you can kind of diversify your investment a little bit um you can be like oh I always have that website that I built that I own and like that's my space so I have control over that's good advice well, I only have a few more questions for you guys. They're a lot easier than the ones I was throwing earlier. <laughs> but, um, so this one is, what, if anything, has helped you from your time at the School of Communications? So for me, uh, I was in the public relations uh, undergrad. I would say the biggest thing that helped me out of this program was just like the group projects we did. They were real projects. Like they mattered to the real companies that we were working with. And then I made some connections with people who will probably be able to help me throughout my professional track career. And then later when I need a job (laughs) (laughs) or I need someone to like handle my media if it gets out of hand. Like I know my classmates can more than be capable to do that. That's awesome. This might come as a surprise, but I was a dietetics major. I was not in school of communication. So I was um, studying food and nutrition. Um, So I did like, I had to do, you know, chem one, chem two, bio, all the fun science classes that I will probably never ever again use in my life. But (laughs) I actually uh, made a lot of great connections when I was at Florida State, different athletes. I was in an honor society that uh, had, you know, people from all over their campus uh, gathered together I think that was probably one thing that I felt like I did right was I got out of the athletics bubble a lot and made myself meet people from all over campus that were doing all kinds of different things um, and they were like killing it in their bubble on campus um, which was really cool for me to be like oh yeah like I think anytime you can get perspective and like kind of 
10,000 foot like view on things is really healthy. And you never know where like those people might come in handy later when you're like, I really need, like you could be working on some project with some company and you're like, oh, so-and-so that, you know, was from the Asian student union. Like they would know someone that I need to be connected to here. And it's like totally unrelated. So it's just making connections with people who are outside of your bubble, whatever your bubble is, will be so valuable to you. That's good advice. Do you, well, speaking of advice, do you guys have any advice for future students or student athletes? Be true to who you are. We have a saying in my training group, if you're not comfortable in your own skin, we're going to have a really hard time competing to your best because if you can't go out on that track and be authentically you, you're not going to be able to put out the performance you need to because you are who you are. No matter if you have a rip in your uniform, it doesn't matter. It's still the length that you have to run down the track or the distance you have to jump. Like, that's what I love about the sport. It's, it's pretty awesome. Like everyone can come from different backgrounds or different anything. And it doesn't matter. All that matters is your performance. So how do you be a better performer? You'd be a better you. Whether that gets your relationships right, you get your school right, your diet, just a multitude of things and it comes together. So that would be my advice to anyone. I love that. Yeah, just being able to be comfortable in who you are will free you up to do a lot of things that you want to do, like physically. Totally agree with that. Um, I'll also just add that you know, everyone's kind of like cheesy, but like everyone's journey looks different. And so if you see someone who you used to be beating and all of a sudden they're beating you uh, and that, you know, like that can be tough, but you don't, you just never know people's trajectories are so varied and so different. And it's not always like steady upward line to the Olympics. Like you, there's going to be a lot of bumps along the way and whatever you want to do, whatever your Olympics is for you just knowing that like it's so easy to compare to someone that you train with or someone that you compete against and think that like they're doing it the way that they're doing it is right or better or easy god forbid (laughs) like it's just not true like whatever your journey is is going to be different from someone else's and like that's been something that's really hard for me to accept is like okay I want to like I want to be like that I want to be doing that like that looks better than what I have but then I have to realize like that's just not me though like I can't want to be that that's not me like that's unhealthy to want someone else's like life or someone else's journey so you have to figure out like come acceptance of that and then come to terms with like okay this is what I do have how can I make the most of this and how do I like do my best enjoying this and and maximizing the tools that I do have because everyone has a lot of good tools that um, they can use. They're just maybe different from the people you're competing against. And I think I just love looking at like photos of like the starting line at the Olympic games and seeing all these different women um, standing next to each other. And they all look different. Like all they're about, they're about to do the same freaking thing and they all look different. So you're going to have different skills and different talents and um, tools than someone else. It, it doesn't mean that that's better or worse. It's just it's what you have. So focusing less on other people's journeys and, and more on your own. It's really hard to do. Easy to say, really hard to do. <laughs> Both of those are such awesome advice. I feel like I've learned so much just about like 
branding and the track and athlete industry. So I appreciate you guys. I have one more question and then I will let you guys go. Um, is there anything that you guys want to share with our listeners that's coming up in your future or what is next for the both of you? Uh, well, Trey's got something really big. <laughs> in like yes. a few days, uh, basically, um, let's see, three days, I will be flinging myself at solid objects for a really shiny metal. <laughs> um, and then after that, I'll finish out the professional circuit over in Europe and that'll be the end of my season. And then we'll see what opportunities come up after that. Amazing. Well, I so wish you the best of luck with that. That's so awesome. Do you know it, what Diamond Leagues are going to do yet, Trey? Or are you just waiting to see it, what happens after Worlds? So right now we're planning on going to Monaco, Brussels. Oh, my favorite one. Luzon and Zurich. It's not a bad so first stint over there. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so jealous. Yeah. So I think I'm I've done I've done Luzon. Would you say Brussels too? Mm-hmm. I've never done Brussels. I did Monaco, Luzon, World record and was set at Brussels, so it's a fast track. I've heard. I've heard great things. Track in Europe, by the way. If you haven't you haven't raced over there yet, right? No. Oh my God, you're going to lose your shit. It is so much more fun. Like track in Europe, they know how to host track meets over there. Like okay. everybody's drinking beer and just like having a good time. They like a lot of good track fans. Um, and Monica was freaking Monica. So you won't be disappointed. Right. I'm very excited for you. Thank you. <laughs> um, as for me and much less exciting, <laughs> I'm just going to be um getting my foot right I am able to put some weight on it now which is nice um I got some travel coming up and I go to LA a couple times I have a new training partner and so I'm going to be supporting her in a couple of the races she's got going this summer um in LA and then in North Carolina um I actually got this will be actually this is a great thing to point out I was going to race this race in North Carolina in August first week of August and my season um, at the Sir Walter Myler, but then I hurt my foot. Uh, but the race director messaged me last week and was like, Hey, like, you know, you're not going to be able to race, but do you want to come out anyway? You could do like on-field interviews. We'll pay for you to come out and you just like be a part of the weekend anyway. Like we just want you to be there. And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be super fun. My training partner is going to race. Like you'll pay for me to come out and, you know, stay out there and stuff like, sure. Be fun. So I think that, I mean, that goes to show like, I've spent years building my platform to the point where even if I'm injured, I'm still relevant. Even if I'm not even racing, I still get to be there. Um, and so it's, yeah, there's so many reasons why it's worth it, but, um, that's a good, I guess, example of what's going on in my life right now to prove that, um, you know, you're more than an athlete. You can do more than just run, jump and throw. So that's awesome. I'm so excited for the both of you. So I want to thank Trey and Colleen again for taking the time to speak with me the other day. It was so great having them and just really getting to understand what it is like being a student athlete and what it's like communicating with brands and building those relationships. But all right, everyone, this segment is about to come to a close. As always, make sure you follow FSU Conversation on Instagram for more information and on future podcast segments and everything else FSU Conversations related. We do have an announcement. So this is my last episode, but keep an eye out on social media as we will announce our new podcast host 
I want to say her name so badly, but I don't want to give it away. But I'm graduating and we are handing it off to somebody who really knows what they're doing. And I'm so excited to see what she does with this podcast in the future. So until next time, from all of us here at the School of Communication, be sure to always remember to keep the conversation rolling.